Welcome to Necronomenom. This is our horror movie podcast mm-hmm. where we will discuss horror movies, old or new. It's kind of up to you guys. Yeah, if you want us to talk about your favorite movie or your least favorite movie, whatever. Yeah, something you think would be entertaining for us to talk about. Yeah. So send us a message. We are at necronomenom at multiplenerdgasm.com. Or you can just go to multiplenerdgasm.com and you'll find many, many ways of getting in touch with us. We're on all the socials. <laughs> my name is Jenna and my co-star here is Matt. Hello. Hello. So what do we got? What do we got this week? So this week we are talking about the 1998 film Phantoms. Starring Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. If you've heard about this and not from having seen it, it's probably from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, where uh, Ben Affleck alludes to it as if he isn't Ben Affleck. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I can't watch that movie because it sucks. Oh, that's a bummer. I love that movie. I've tried to watch it so many times and I've actually never made it all the way through. It's it's fine. That's not what we're talking about tonight. No, I know. Sorry. So (laughs) this is based on a novel by Dean Koontz. Mm -hmm. Um. And he actually wrote the screenplay as well, which surprised me. Right. Because it does differ quite a bit. Okay. I read the novel too this week. So I, we're going to try to do a new thing where we, if there is a book or if there is any supplementary material uh-huh. we can do, we'll, um, we'll look further into that. Yeah. So we've done a bit of that tonight. Yeah. I think what we're going to try and do moving forward is less just kind of tell you whether we thought a movie was good or not and... Especially because we're doing, this film is 20 years old now, so. Right. And I think a lot of people, I mean, it's not a spoiler, it didn't get the best reviews, I don't think. No, it didn't. It's uh, 5.4 on Mm. IMDb, and I think the Rotten Tomatoes was quite a bit lower. Mm -hmm. But it does have some interesting stuff in it. So what we're going to try and do is is provide a bit of of trivia, or not trivia, trivia sounds so trivial. We're Mm going to provide some uh, background on the, the movies and kind of what we thought was interesting about them. So the premise of this film is that a woman goes to pick up her sister who is going to start living with her and drives her back to this small, uh, I think, mountain town Mm -hmm. um, in Colorado where she lives. And when she gets, she's probably not been gone very long. When she gets back to town, everybody is either dead or missing. Yeah, they think they're just missing at first. Well, the first indication is that she finds, in the book it was that she finds her housekeeper dead. Right. In the film, in the film, I think it was her secretary or somebody at her office. Oh, okay. I thought they didn't really say who it was. It was an old woman. Yeah, I, th- I, I got the impression maybe it was like uh, um, their mother or something, but then they didn't right. seem as upset as they should have been. So they do go into a bit more of a character background in the book. The reason right. that the younger sister is coming to live with her is because their mother just dropped, just died. Oh, okay. Well, then it's not her then. <laughs> yeah. The older sister, Jennifer, lives in this town. So, And it's a very small town. So these are all kind of close friends of hers. Yeah. So she does handle it pretty well. Um, she is also the doctor. So I think she kind of uses that and makes it more of a scientific-y mm-hmm. thing and tries to separate the fact that she actually knows all these people. Yeah, right. I, I think it's a pretty cool concept. I actually like this movie. I know it's it's not the best. <laughs> But I saw it back when it came out, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like a survival thing. Like one of those small group has to survive. They can't leave, and nobody else can come in kind of things. Yeah. I hadn't seen it before. Um, this was the first time I watched it. And, I mean, it's it's not my favorite movie, but I didn't hate it. It's kind of... <laughs> it, no, it's goofy, and it's... 
it's a little light on the realism in a lot of sections. And also I thought some of the characters were, you know. Leave Schreiber. Oh, mm. Man, he's... He's ridiculous in this movie. This is yeah. the guy. And I just see him as Cotton from Scream. Yeah. He was... He baffled in this, me in this. He's I, like I couldn't, a, kind of a pedophiliac, necrophiliac... He just doesn't behave like a cop. human being at all. No. Especially <laughs> so, in a situation like this. Yeah. So, that, I mean, he... Probably out of everybody, he... I, I say it's, he's not a bad actor, even. I think it's just... The character was very strange. Yeah. He was like that in the book as well. He was just... Oh, okay. I think he just makes light of the situation by turning to sexual jokes directed at the 14-year-old sister. Right, okay. Played by um, <laughs> Rose, Rose McGowan. McGowan, who doesn't yep. look 14. No, no, she does not. How, was, she, was she younger when this was made and I just am familiar um, with her, so I didn't notice that she was underage? She was 25 when this was made, so okay, playing a 14-year-old. Right, okay. Well, so there's nothing illegal going on there. No. No, it's fine. <laughs> Make all the jokes you want, buddy. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I thought it was strange that um, Kuntz wrote the screenplay as well. It's mm. I think he wrote it, uh, I mean, maybe at least 15, 20 years later. Right. Um, it kind of changes quite a bit. So the book was good. It's a bit tedious at parts, especially the beginning when they find, they find a body, they go into the next place, find another body, call the right. cops. The cops say, oh, can you bring us back to the first place you found the body and then go through it all again? Right. And then anytime somebody new comes in, they're like, oh, well, you better start where you like where you found the bodies and then go through the whole thing <laughs> over and over. Well, something to consider just because he, he may have written the screenplay, but because it's a film, they, he may have had a lot of pressure or input from the studio or whoever. Yeah, that's right. Generally, yeah. if I mean... This is not obviously always the rule, but if a film is a bit weird, it's probably because too many people tried to pull it in different directions. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But I feel like it kind of changes the meaning of the film as well. Okay. Um, I don't want to give too much away, mm. but they kind of give away, not not so much the ending, not the reason for anything, but they give away at the very beginning um, that whatever strange thing is happening has something to do with this guy, Timothy Flight who wrote The Ancient Enemy. Right. And that's all that they... Somebody writes this on a mirror. That's all that they know. That's the only oh, right, clue yeah. they have. And they find this guy. Mm. And I think it's a pretty weird clue. In the book, he's an author. It's a rare book still, but he is kind of a scientist and an author. And he, he's written about uh, mass disappearances. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the film, I think he just wrote a tabloid. How does anybody know who he is? Why is he yeah. credible at all? Why would I he thought- bring... He Why was would just they bring somebody like, like a, that in? I thought he was just like a conspiracy theory nut kind of guy in, yeah, the, right. in the movie. He yeah. was he was not he was not very well respected, I didn't think. No, but then he is also the one in the film that provides mm. the most assistance. I know, he knows everything. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he, know, in, he, knows, he knows all sorts of shit that he potentially shouldn't know. Right. In the book it's a team of geneticists and biologists. Right. That so that makes more that, sense. Which makes a whole lot more sense. Yeah. Like it's, just this guy knows everything in the yeah, movie. Yeah, reading that whole section in the book, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, I see where he was coming from now. But in the film, it's just like, well, we need somebody to figure this out. So mm. I guess it has to be the one guy we brought in. <laughs> um, it also, it in the film, it takes place over one night. Yeah. So somehow they find this guy's name written on the mirror. They contact right. the cops, the, like the cops outside of town. Mm. They somehow find this guy, fly him in 
all within a couple of hours. Yeah, right. Whereas in the book, it's two days. And he's not coming to assist. He's coming for a book deal because his publisher sends him. Right. So it's, yeah, it's a bit different. And there's also a, a whole subplot of um, a man who murdered his wife and child in the book that is not even mentioned in the movie. They just totally erase that. Yeah, right. And I, I kind of like it. They don't go to him often, so every time they do, I'm like, why is, what does he fit into this at all? Mm, but he does. He's, yeah, he does. He okay. does, and he actually kind of ties it together a little, little better. Okay. It's pretty cool. I mean, I don't think either of them are the best mm-hmm. book or film, but it is a good story. It's a good premise. Yeah. I, I enjoyed them both. Ben Affleck was pretty good in this. He was. Yeah. yeah. He's young, looking young. <laughs> was Actually, I don't know if I've seen him uh, that young in a film like i don't think i've seen a film with him from that mm. that era so it was weird to see him little baby face affleck <laughs> oh are we gonna we, we don't want to spoil anything but are we going to discuss the uh antagonist at all as in the ancient enemy yeah i think we should because it's not a secret in the film that weird kind of supernatural stuff is happening right it has a strange motivation. The the enemy. The enemy. The ancient mm. enemy. It's like a kind of primordial thing. And it's very human and egotistical. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense for a thing that just comes up Is that and wants in, to feed. That's in both? Oh, absolutely. In the book, he's even more so. He had right. uh, it, it, I guess, um, talks to them through computers. Um, huh. And it... How? Oh, uh, like they get the type up. Huh. They respond on the computer well it's also kind of um all-knowing so everything that right. they do and everything that you say it it can tell okay it can take on any shape or any has right. any memory that from something it's consumed yeah it can well it can only form things it's aware of right so if you're yeah but even from other people like from the things yeah. it's consumed from their memory or from their imagination R- right so if i've thought about something and it's yeah it's got me it no it can then be whatever i've thought of mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting and it just wants to be known but why yeah. what, what yeah i got that that it's it's motivation just seemed to be it wanted to be famous mm-hmm. mm. it's kind of explained off in the book that it amuses it it's like pet monkey learning a new trick right that's still not enough motivation i feel like i there's well things... the motivation i guess is just to feed but why Why then not just feed on everyone and move on your way? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. In I guess in stories like this, it's always a bit weird because where has this thing been for, for, for so long if it wanted to be so famous? You know what I mean? Like, why do people sure. now? Yeah. I mean, maybe it hibernates or... Yeah. Well, I guess that is the point of bringing um, this guy, Timothy Flight, in because right. he's written about mass disappearances before mm-hmm. and his theory is that it is this thing that has caused them. So right. uh, at points throughout history, this thing has come up, fed on an entire village, and then just disappeared. Okay. Is it only eight people? Uh, well, I guess no, because I think that's one of the things they mention um, right away is that they haven't heard any dogs or cats or any uh, wildlife in the woods. It just kind of consumes yeah. creatures. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it turns into that dog as well in that Oh yeah. That scene that is reminiscent of Alien. Yeah. Cute little doge. 
Yeah. That was a good dog. Well behaved. <laughs> like for an actor. I think one of the best scenes is um is the dog scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they're trying to come up with a plan and be secretive and Affleck is carrying that, that case from one um Yes. The big camper thing. Mm-hmm. And the dog follows him. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Why well, one question I have, uh it's a little spoiler, but it's from right near the beginning, so I'm not sure that it matters that much. Um there are some dead bodies around, mm-hmm. right? And but not only that, in the film, one of the early uh, victims, I guess, that they find is the baker and his yep. wife, right? And they, mm-hmm. it's put his his hands been cut off, right? Mm-hmm. Or his hands, both of his hands have been cut off, and then the their heads were placed in a little oven thing in a way that they would comically drop out and scare somebody. Yep, is that some sort of illusion that the thing created or is it just like fucking with them? No, see, I think that's another thing that comes across better in the book um, because the the enemy um, has a lot of, a few more conversations and things like that with them. Right. Um, it plays with them a bit more. They learn that it is just messing with them. Right. It's also a way to set up the beginning of the film or book that they don't know what's happened. So most people have just been killed in their homes either surprised uh like some haven't reacted at all some have shot at whatever this thing is their bullets missing um but most people are just found found dead and bruised right and they can't tell why until they find this one where they've been decapitated and their hands have been cut off right because at the beginning they think maybe it's uh some kind of like super bug or yeah, right. Some kind of gas. Like an outbreak. Right, right. But then this is the first thing that... Yeah, because that's what I thought. How could it I thought at first it was some kind of, uh, you know, contaminant or something like mm-hmm. that. But then, yeah, obviously it wouldn't cut off people's body parts and place them in amusing ways. So. Right. That is actually... That's another thing that I think comes across better in the book. Because she is the doctor, she knows that if there is some kind of contaminant here, they can't leave. And they should be quarantined. Oh, okay. So that is why she and the sister stay. Right. Whereas in the film, they're like, oh, no, we've just got to stay and help out. Our car is dead. Yeah, the car battery just dies. So if this thing, just walk out of town if you have (laughs) to. I know, I know. It's always tricky to set up situations like that in a movie. It's even harder these days because everyone's got mobile Uh, phones. They have to come up with stupid reasons why their phones don't work. Exactly. Yeah, it's easier in the olden days. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... This is a horror movie. I was actually not expecting uh, as much gore and stuff as there was. It is like, it's not hugely gory, but it, it does get quite gory in parts. Like uh, there's some creature effects and some other stuff going on that were pretty cool. Yeah, yeah I was actually pleasantly surprised uh, when all that stuff happened because I thought maybe this was going to be... Um, More of a like, mystery. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then there was some cool stuff later. Hmm. So I think the inspiration for it is a pretty cool concept. So mm-hmm. it seems to me like... Kuntz was kind of theorizing away fictionally how all of these mass disappearances could have occurred uh-huh. um, and he even references quite a few of them through Timothy Flight the um, whatever author scientist yep. <laughs> yeah and he references quite a few mass disappearances that actually did occur and even at the end of the book he says you know th- this is fiction but look into these because this is true right so I did Look, it didn't take very long for me to see why all these kind of happened. 
I can go into some of the ones he talked about. Yeah. The one that he brings up the most is the Roanoke colony. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the first British colonies in America uh, right. in the 1500s. They, I mean, they tried out a few places, just kind of boring settlement stuff. <laughs> yeah. They settled a colony, a small group of people, about 115 people. Yeah. Um, settled a colony in this place called Roanoke. And were having some trouble with nearby tribes. So the governor was persuaded to go back to England to ask for help um, because of the the hostility with the tribes, um, I guess some food and all that supply, that kind of thing. Yep. You know, at this point in time in history, mm-hmm. it took a long time to do things like this. Yeah. So it was three years before he got back. He told them that if anything happened to them, they should carve a Maltese cross on a nearby tree and indicate that it had been a forced absence. Right. When he returned, there was no cross, there were no people. 115 people in this colony had just disappeared. Right. And the only indication of anything that he had was the word Croatoan carved into a fence post. Right. Now, this sounds really suspicious, but I don't know... That it is so much. Um, most theories are that uh, the Croatoan is the name of the tribe, but also the land, um, an island, just south of where they were. Right. He took it to mean that they had moved there, but he was unable to have a look because of a storm. It doesn't seem that suspicious to me. They had been in a place for three years with it's, mounting tension yeah, from nearby tribes. Three years is a long time, man. Yep. Uh, without supplies. It's thought that maybe they just moved on. To look for food. Yeah. This guy couldn't find them, so to him it's, and to the rest of England, they were lost. Right. It's not. It's less a mysterious disappearance than uh, they want. They just wandered off. That's right. Their settlement, it didn't look like they had left in a hurry. Some things had been like actually taken apart and torn down. Right. So. Uh, Debunked. Yeah, kind <laughs> of. Now, another one that he talks about, this one was quite interesting not for the reason of a a disappearance i guess Mm. um in 1930 in northern canada uh it is said that a trapper uh joe labelle went to an inuit village that he knew and everyone he knew there had disappeared so -hmm. there were about 30 people he looked around everything seemed to be in place there were half-cooked meals it was just like they just disappeared right now here's where it gets strange the first account of this is from a book, Stranger Than Science, by mm-hmm. Frank Edwards in 1959, so 29 years after it happened, where he has a three-page story that says how the mounted police returned to the village and confirmed what he had told them. Right, that they'd vanished. There are some weird discrepancies in how that would have gone down due to mm-hmm. the, the weather at that time and all these, these other things that he claims. <clears throat> now, there's nothing else about it until 1976 where it cites an article from 1930 about having like about the findings that doesn't exist right so he uses this article to debunk the story that edwards put forward right and say it couldn't have happened the way he he said it and he uses a a photograph of an abandoned inuit village which was later found to be kind of like a stock photo Right. That they had been using in things before that. Later on, nobody said anything about it until it was in some magazine, I think. 
and then a famous alien abductee came forward and said (laughs) yeah no i know that town i talked to uh the captain of a boat who spent years investigating it and he thinks they were all abducted right and that is when the story blew up and ufo writers kind of took it and made it into this huge village of 2,000 people and people had seen UFOs in the days before it happened and things like that. Right. This is a really interesting story, but there's no evidence that this town even ever existed. Right. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, that it's ended up being like an urban legend yeah, based, on, of, yeah. based on nothing. Mm-hmm. I think that's how a lot of them end up. Oh, well, there's another one that I, I really enjoy this one. Except I can find almost no information about this, except for all of the compilations of like weird disappearances and things like that. Mm. So there's this town in Brazil. This one's also listed in the book as a as an actual disappearance, right? But right. I don't know where any of these sources are. <laughs> sure. So there was a village in Brazil called, there are different accounts, Joia Verde or Hoer Verde, right. where 600 people just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like, totally disappeared in the middle of everything. There was no evidence of foul play except that they had found a single gun that had been fired and a message on the blackboard saying, There is no salvation. Yeah, Ooh, ominous. Except that is it. That is the only information. And this is listed on every, like, you'll never believe these crazy dis- disappearances. Right. But that's it. And that's the, that's the only information. That's right. Yeah, right. And then I bet that whenever somebody says, is that true? They reference the same website that has no references. Probably. (laughs) Always. Uh, That's interesting. So I think they're pretty cool. I mean, another big one is the Mayan civilization, which um, the more I looked into it, it seemed more like it just kind of slowly fell apart. Um, (laughs) There are a lot of theories that they caused the fall of their own civilization through deforestation um the amount of fire they would need to create the limestone that they used in all of their buildings was immense huh so they tore down all the trees they didn't have any food left and it seemed like they just kind of dissipated from their big civilizations um there are genetically they have found you know people with mayan blood in nearby areas right that's interesting i didn't know that yeah because it was always put forward as like in the middle of dinner they just left (laughs) exactly yeah but i think it just got smaller and smaller until it wasn't sustainable anymore yeah Uh, i mean obviously that's a theory as well no one knows what happened why the civilization fell no it seems like it's not as big of a a mystery well it's got to have an actual you know realistic explanation exactly unfortunately but that's not as interesting as people would like i don't think right but still Mm -hmm. i I think it was pretty cool to theorize that it could be due to this ancestral evil yeah totally no it's a good uh it's a good concept for the story um i don't think it was done the best not the best execution exactly but it's still entertaining some uh not so great special effects in this film, this is from the uh, the era, I guess, where digital effects were still coming into their own. Mm, yeah, they're pretty outdated now. Yeah, uh, but there's not too many of them, which is which is good. 
it's not one of those there's a lot of films from that era that kind of went all in too early on the uh digital effects this has got a it's got a few things that i don't know stand out but yeah most of it is um more of a an eerie vibe yeah like the phones ringing some noises things Mm -hmm. you don't see but uh there's one actually i think a really great scene to set the tension is when they're out in town at the beginning when they first think things are a bit strange and suddenly the church bells the sirens all the lights mm. in town go and it's uh the way it's filmed like circling them yeah. is pretty cool good tone mm. in the film i think i mean yeah I, guess I feel like some of the characters were a bit weak yeah i would agree uh you mentioned to me that the way they resolve <laughs> everything makes more sense in the book is that just because it's a team of biologists and everything um well it's not so much a team by that point right in the film for some reason they just bring every bacteria and virus known to man like yeah. just in case any of these could be not helpful. only that this tabloid journalist knows exactly what, what they are and and, and, and which one you... would be best against this thing that they've never seen before yeah yeah no, in in the book, they um, because the thing is so egotistical and it wants to be known, it is willing to provide flight with a tissue sample. Oh, okay. Um, so they're able to tell what its composition is similar to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then ask it if they can do more tests while they stall and, and get some outside assistance. Right, okay, cool. But the scene where they're fighting it, is much much better in the book right and it goes on a lot longer okay i don't know it was a bit goofy in the movie it was cool like there was some good stuff there but it was a bit goofy it's a bit kind of anticlimactic as well yeah like it it just happens yeah exactly that's our discussion on phantoms Mm -hmm. if you have any suggestions of films that you'd like us to talk about or suggestions on how we can make the show any better Mm -hmm. please let us know you can get us at necronominom at multiple nerdgasm.com yep or on Twitter and Facebook as Multiple Nerdgasm. If you go to the website, you'll find all those details. And please, if you don't already, go and listen to Multiple Nerdgasm. Yeah, we've got uh, a couple of podcasts going now, and we'd love it if you could check them all out. And if you enjoy them, please pop on over to iTunes and give us a rating. Yeah, that would be really, really helpful. Yeah, that's like literally the most helpful thing you could probably do today for us also if you want something for you you can go to multiple nerdgasm slash fiverr that's fiverr with two r's and you can get voiceovers uh mm-hmm. graphic arts mm-hmm. lots of stuff done for just five yeah they'll do jingles they'll do logos for your band they'll, they'll write a bio for your band that's or a bio thing. for you yeah copy for websites so they could get people on there will write articles for your website as well it's like digital etsy Exactly. It's a really good description. Oh, wait. Wrong podcast. <laughs>